Mars, here we go again. Nothing is decided here. I don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. What we need is knowledge. Who do you think you're talking to? Forgive me, mastery. Pull to open. Pull to open. Yes, and what do you do? Sit you down. descended from the heavens! Not the heavens! It's hardly surprising that an audible thing. Done it all our lives. First things first, but not necessarily in that order. Come here! The drums! Hello and welcome to Pull to Open. My name is Chris Taylor. This is a very, very random podcast through all of time and space, through all of Doctor Who in entirely random order. And uh, I'm here with... Uh, Pete Paschal, and this is See? this is me. <laughs> We'd like to do this live. We'd like to switch it up. Anyway, <laughs> lots of things are happening in a random order today. Uh, That's right. Among them, uh, this is the point where I usually explain that Chris and I are a couple of journalists and Doctor Who fans, and we are blessed to bring you fresh and random Doctor Who commentary every week. But there is something that you, you dear listener, you don't know. What don't they know, Chris? This time, there's three of us. <laughs> That's right. This week on the podcast, we are pleased to welcome none other than Mark Cockrum. Pew, 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 pew. AKA the Human Palindrome. He is nice. from the All of Time and Space podcast. Hello, Mark. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me on. And Ooh, thank, you for, you. Uh, thank you for increasing the Brit ratio, Brit to American ratio, yeah, two to one. I'm also being outflanked in terms of time zones. I'm here in Eastern Time, you know, New York. Chris, yes. you're there in San Francisco. I'm on Pacific and Mark, Time. And Mark, where are you? Summertime. You're what? The British Summertime. British which, summertime. Yeah, summertime. Which is what it always is in my heart. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on it as well. So tell us all about um, what's going on at the All of Time and Space podcast, Mark. What's uh, I actually was listening to your most recent episode oh, on the Enemy of the World, and I didn't get too far into it because, honestly, I've never seen Enemy of the World. Oh, we haven't goodness. done it for the podcast yet, but it was there was a lot of learned commentary there. Um, anyway, just tell us a little bit of background maybe of, of the podcast and where you're at. Sure. Okay. Um, well, back in uh, – if you can take your minds back to the, the year 2020 – it was quite a tumultuous year, and uh, with the, you know, the way the world was going, it forced me to just reevaluate some of my life choices. <laughs> and uh, the, the thing that struck me, as I'm sure it would to most sane people, was, my God, I haven't watched Doctor Who in broadcast order. I must do that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've been podcasting for a while, and I figured I'll get my old mate Ian Martin to come along and help out. So myself and Ian, Ian Martyr. Yeah, no, that was a <laughs> great to do on the old Blue Box podcast when he used to write in as a, a listener. Yeah. So Ian Martin is my Martin. My Got it. Co-host. Yes. Uh, and uh, we have a guest each time. So uh, we like to mix it up a bit. So uh, it just keeps it fresh. So we're watching mm-hmm. all of Doctor Who in broadcast order. So we're. We're taking the, the long way around compared to you guys. You guys. Are <laughs> yeah. And and where where are you up to? Well, uh, that de- very much depends on the uh, where you're looking at. It's, it's very timey-wimey. So in terms of what the listeners are hearing at the moment, we uh, we just dropped our episode on uh, the Web of Fear. 
Oh, mm, okay. It's with uh, a gentleman called Toby Haydock. I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, I love Toby's writings. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. So, uh, yeah, we've just done that one. And uh, we're currently, we just started recording season six. So mm-hmm. we like to record a little bit ahead of time. Uh, as we were discussing before the pod started, I'm a bit of a control freak. so I like. Oh, wow. So do you do a bunch back to back? Yeah, we try. And yeah, wow. that's smart. But so you, Chris, we got to get in on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's... When I don't actually do anything, and then I suddenly start thinking, really must get around to doing some editing. Let's uh, let's record all Sunday, and then we'll just take seven weeks off. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm, I'm down was, with that. I was asked to go on. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of the podcast is called um, uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, and it's hosted by a lovely <laughs> gentleman called Joe Ford. And my goodness, we watched the Horns of Nime on. Um, oh. <laughs> it was like an all-dayer. It really was. Well, it would be. <laughs> we're, we're not here to make you watch The Horns of Daimon, but we are here to welcome you on our random adventure. And what a random adventure it has been. Uh, just to give you the recap previously on Pull to Open, as all listeners surely know, four stories ago, we were in Season 18. I'm here in my Season 18 scarf. Uh, in Tom Baker's last season, Tom Baker being very, very exhausted and uh, looking very unwell, but still blasting through the deciders in full circle. Three stories ago, we went back to my home area of England uh, for the Time Meddler, just as I did. Two stories ago, we saw a certain school teacher named Barbara involved in a certain thing called human sacrifice that she was trying to prevent yeah. in the Aztecs. And, uh, could, could be some foreshadowing here, I feel like. What random connection could there be? Uh, but last time we, we had to pause before the randomizer dropped the mic on us uh, for a, uh, a message from your local Kablam delivery guy who suddenly appeared in our TARDIS and we had to dispense with that. Be quite like Kablam, don't you? Uh, I liked it so much, I put an exclamation point. That's my right. Rating, my Dalek that's, rating. That's right. And from Kablam! Exclamation point, we went to season 18, Megloss! Exclamation point. <laughs> uh, which we, we decided it, it does have now. It's a musical. Uh, I don't know if you know that's that. That's right. Uh, he does give that delivery occasionally when he... <laughs> <laughs> well, as we observed last week, we went from the one Doctor Who story with an exclamation point in the title to the one in the classic series that most deserves one. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, you don't... Uh, unless, like, if, if this is a success, I, I think we need a follow-up musical just called Legopolis! And uh, <laughs> have lots of sad songs. Let's say so much. So, anyway. So before we start, listener, if you want to cut cut right away to our commentary on us, <laughs> the show notes for the oh exact time to fast forward to. That's right. It's going to be right there in the show notes, whatever podcast app you're on. That's right. If you're the commentary, it's there. If you're on YouTube, just look under the video. There's some notes there, too. And if, right there. Uh, if you are a cactus listening to this, I'm sure many, many cacti are, uh, just get your human uh, servant to do it for you. Uh, just just bang on the desk a few times until they uh, do exactly what you want. But anyway, you will not want to do that, uh, everything that Pete just said, because we've got a new Humoji challenge, uh, and I actually have a, a contender 
for the Humoji Challenge for once. Thank you for joining <laughs> that, Mark. Yeah. Uh, and we've got our YouTube comments of the week. We're going to find out what listeners thought of the Gaztecs, I mean the Aztecs, <laughs> <laughs> in our poll to open feature. Uh, and uh, the, yeah, a comment of the week on Kablam that I'm just looking at in the show notes, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, something hidden in plain sight? Okay, anyway. That's right. That's it's all coming back up. In plain sight. It's all Chris, coming what's up. What's it? One game is on point. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, what were you going to say, Pete? Uh, is it the? the pulse is it all loop? coming up in the pulse loop, Chris? I, I think it's all coming up in the pulse loop, Pete. Um, but first, let's pause this That's for a message from. Uh, our advertiser, which is Pull to Open. Uh, listeners, one of the best ways to show your support for this show is to do exactly what our guest of the week did and leave a review for Indeed. this podcast. Did Did you rate us five stars, Mark? I did, that, I did. Was that your recommendation? Slightly oh. churlish to, to give you something less than five if you had the good grace to invite me on. That's Most very grateful. sweet of you. Thank you. Thank you Most so grateful. much. And it might be churlish of you, listeners, to, to do exactly that. Um you know, but if you want to, it's a free country, uh, especially if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, because we uh, we like to get more visibility for this show. And uh, if you want to share it with a friend, that's cool, too. Uh, share it with a random friend. Randomize your way through your address book. Um, send this exact show with these exact people at this exact time, uh, because who doesn't spend most of their days thinking about Megalos? <laughs> And you know, guys, if you leave a review, you know, it doesn't take much. All you need to do is fire up that app, go ahead and start typing it in, and really just leave one character. Leave leave an emoji. Go ahead. In fact, why don't you, while you're doing that, leave a Doctor Who story title in the form of an emoji, because we love to get those. And we could use a few more of those as fuel for our next segment, the Humoji Challenge. Oh, yes. We need fuel for this. Uh-huh. And this week, they, we have two contestants on the Humoji Challenge, where our contestants will try to guess the Doctor Who story by having emojis described to them, and the winner gets lots of respect. That's right. No, the winner gets an extra secret Doctor Who emoji added to their phone. I don't make the rules. Oh, hey. Hey, I can't talk Good about stuff. it. I can't talk about all my wins, but... Chris, anyway. how are you feeling about having a co-contestant this week? I am so glad for someone else to win that I'm just... <laughs> I'm barely going to try this week. Barely going to try. Only if Mark is floundering shall I save him. Well, that could still happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've Mark, got my... Uh, <laughs> my uh, I think you've lifeguard heard, you've heard, skills. Yeah. You heard the podcast, you know how this goes, right? I do, yep. I do. Okay, so then we're just going to get right into it and just just shout out, once I've completed it, what you think the emoji thing is. And we'll go back and forth. So you go ahead. Mark, as our guest, you can be get the first guess. Okay. And then we'll uh, you can maybe uh, steal it, Chris. Yeah, but feel free to buzz in anyway if you, if you have a buzzer handy. Uh, we really need to get buzzers installed for this thing. Anyway, go ahead, Pete. All right, here we go, guys. It's three emojis. First emoji, uh, green Chinese dragon head. Second emoji, cold face with, with like, you know, icicles on the teeth and stuff like that. Okay. Buzz. 
He's going to get it on two! I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest the mind of evil. <gasps> oh, big X on the screen. Oh, thank Not goodness. That's what, that's what I was going to guess. <laughs> so, but, um, I, I wow, just, you buzzed in before we even had all three emojis. And that's, that's a brave one, Mark. I gotta say, you're, you're really grabbing a hold of this emoji challenge. Who even knew this was in the rules of the unwritten uh, rules of the emoji challenge? <laughs> all right. Okay, third emoji fire. Uh, Dragonfire? It's Dragonfire! Oh, oh, fuck, I'm so sorry. Wait, were there more emojis? Did I, did I buzz in? No, that was buzz in? Oh. No, that was it. Dragon, coalface, fire. Very cool. You would have got it, I think, if you if you'd, you'd had old three and had a minute to think about it. I, I still, after the third emoji, would have guessed uh, Mind of Evil first because we're just, we've been there recently. It's the first Chinese dragon I think of. All right. Well, Chris, you retain the title of our <sighs> ringy champion here at the Emoji Challenge. Mark, you're going to go home with a copy of our home game. So that's all right. But please come back Everyone's and take this it. title off me, please. <laughs> the curse. By the way, that was uh, that Humoji challenge was from a longtime friend of the pod, Bob Gilby, who gave us a whole batch a while back. Thank you, Bob. You too can be like Bob and go ahead, leave us some more Humojis in Humojis, Humojis anywhere you can find Pull to Open, whether that's on the many social networks where we're pulled to open right. 63 or TikTok where we're pulled to open or YouTube, youtube.com slash pull to open. All those places are great places to leave comments and emojis. Yes, indeed. And one place you can interact even more with pull to open dear listeners is Spotify. If you're on Spotify, you can also pull up from the bottom and you'll find the poll to open the poll to open on this particular episode. It will be on Megloss. Uh, but we have some results for you from the past polls. By the way, we keep these polls open, so if you don't like these results, and I think we're in a very special situation here where you might not like these results, <laughs> you can go and change them uh, because we have some results from the Aztecs here where it is a dead heat, ladies and gentlemen. It is Florida 2000. It is Wisconsin 2016. It is, it is Knife Edge. Yep. It's uh, it's England 2010. How about that for, yes, UK reference. <laughs> um, Knife Edge hung Parliament between the Viscount Banger and the Dalek. That's right. Just That's like cool. we were. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically a dead heat. Yes. Is it, well, is it one of the yeah. best ever, or is it just really, really good? Maybe we need someone to break this tie. And it hey, might hey, Mark, be are, you, are you on Spotify? Are you on Spotify? <laughs> I tend to listen through Apple Podcasts. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. I well, hear that. If you were on Spotify, what would your vote be here? We need a tiebreaker. I would give it... I think I'd give it a Viscount Banger. Oh! Yes. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. Sorry. All right, Chris. You're edging it out just a little <laughs> bit here. So when, when that poll reopens, unfortunately, there's been some technical difficulties on Spotify lately where some of our polls are closing early. We want to keep them open oh, more okay. or less indefinitely. Um, but anyway, when it reopens, Mark, be sure to vote in this one because it I had will. a short, short, short than usual window. I straight onto Spotify, create an account. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Listen, let's just pause Megalos. Come back to Megalos. He'll always be here. Pause Megalos. Go to the Aztecs podcast. Vote now. And vote often. Thank you. Do it. 
Okay, also visit us, as I said before, on youtube.com slash pull to open, because again, that's a great place to leave a comment. You can see these fun Easter eggs in the background. My Dom Baker poster. It's up from City of Death, so pretty close. Nice. Pretty close. Yeah, pretty close to yeah. season 18. Yeah, season 17, season 18, what's the death? Actually, quite a lot. The golden age. Mm-hmm. And if you if you are watching on YouTube, here's a reminder to like the video you're watching. Please subscribe to the channel. And there is that bell icon that's pretty handy if you like notifications for whenever we post something new, which is fairly often, but not so often that you'd be bothered by it. So go and do it. Um, also, leaving those comments is great because you get to be featured as our YouTube comment of the week, perhaps. And we have one here today from none other than YouTuber Bob Six, great name. And he is commenting on our Kablam podcast. So Bob says, so I don't remember the episode, but I believe it is after Matt Smith wakes up after the Big Bang. He checks himself for his bow tie and his fez and realizes he's missing the fez. Oh no. He then says he can always buy one. And it's like, I, I completely forgot about this. It's it's yeah. it's true. I checked it out. Yes, he does that. He says he's going to buy one, which of course completes the loop on Kerblam. That's exactly why she, she gets the box. It's like, but when does he actually order it? And is Kerblam really that far behind that it takes you two regenerations to get your delivery? That's luck. Well, there's work. no indication that that Kerblam is time travel, right? So presumably, like, who knows? Like, you know, yes, the, there's all the, you could come back 10 minutes before you left, but this is this is the other side of that. It could also have come centuries after you order it. Yeah, uh, to go for the uh, budget postage and just, you know, decided to yeah. really take a little bit longer. I like the idea that they'll just send you a photo of, like, we left it in 1786. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, here, by this shed in France. Good luck. Um, yeah. Wow! Yeah, well, I didn't uh, think of that. That's that's quite amazing. But um, well, sorry, sorry to denigrate Kablam or suggest that its deliveries might be in any way late. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that is the worst sin of today's delivery culture. Yeah, if you work for Kablam, feel free to uh, give us a call for sponsorships, guys. We're into that. That's uh, but thank you, Bob, for commenting. That was a great comment of the week. And guys, hey, there's other places you can find yeah. us. What's one of them, Chris? One of them is TikTok, uh, which is what we know you're doing, uh, dear listener, instead of your uh, work at your Kablam warehouse. You're looking at TikToks, and we're there. Go look at us. We've got thousands and thousands of followers. Videos are flowing. The spice must flow, and it flows in those videos. So follow us there and uh, enjoy watching uh, the new Who fans of TikTok uh, learn about Classic Who for the first time. We're teaching them kids a thing or two. So... (laughs) I feel like we got to balance our Kerblam references with some Megloss references, <laughs> just because this is the Megloss podcast. So, guys, Megloss! if you're done macheting through all the hostile plant life around nice. you, nice. Uh, you can might want to check out our follow our, our feeds on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. We're at Pull to Open sixty three, and we're also on Blue Sky. Yes, Blue Sky, which might be above a big desert planet with nothing else on it but than screens. Blue Sky. We are at Pull to Open no sixty three. All right. Well, it's time. It is that time oh as God. Pete's screen go- goes dark and red. <laughs> it is time. Other podcasts might, when they take you to Megloss, spend the entire damn podcast recapping Megloss. No, we do not do this. What we do is we uh, allot 30 seconds 
per classic who episode so two minutes for megalos although i might uh, argue in a minute that that's uh, over generous um uh, to uh, to one of our contestants and that contestant this week is mr pete Paschal. how are you feeling about summarizing megalos in two minutes <laughs> Pretty damn unsure. <laughs> I'm not not sure how this one's going to go. I watched it over four nights with my yes. daughter, and I'll confess, some of those nights I was a little sleepy. Yeah. So little, we'll little see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. If, uh, if you were feeling fuzzy, little... I'll just I'll just throw some. I'll say there was a cactus. Exactly. You, you probably remember as much about it as Tom Baker does at this point. So, or even, <laughs> or even the morning after. Um, yeah. So, but I got to say, there, there are weeks where I'm like, oh, I, I'm glad I get to do the TLDW. And the weeks where I'm like, oh, I don't get to do the TLDW for this one. This one, I, I am down on my knees praying, thanking the randomizer. I do not have to summarize Pegasus <laughs> because holy hell, what happened? Uh, well, here's here's Pete to tell us what happened, and uh, no pressure, Pete, but the entire rest of the podcast depends on what you do in the next two minutes. <laughs> no Are problem. Are you ready, sir? Are you ready? Uh, yeah, sure. Can I send uh, out my cactus clone right now and blame it all on him if it all goes wrong? You, you could try bribing Mark with a dodecahedron. Ooh, oh, I, love I might have a 12-sided die around here. <laughs> Mark, do you, do you want to sub in? Do you want to take this? Um, I'm happy to let Pete go ahead. I wouldn't with words. Yeah, do, yeah, do not take the glory away, away from him. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. It. I wouldn't want to diminish Pete's moment of glory. <laughs> Most generous. Okay. All right. Let's the official, this. the official pull to open summary of Megalos begins in two minutes uh begins in three two one go okay so there's this star system called the prion system there's these two planets tigella and zolpathura tigella is dependent on this power source this dodecahedron it's like basically a power artifact but it's malfunctioning so they send for the doctor who's their friend and the doctor sort of arrives in the system but who eon zolpathura is there it's only one person it's called megalos and he's sort of a cactus and he traps the doctor in this sort of time loop while also summons these mercenaries to bring him an earthling so he can basically inhabit the earthling and, and duplicate the doctor he goes to tigella with these mercenaries and pretends to be the doctor and sort of plays the religious people against the scientific people who are sort of these two factions and, and ends up stealing the dodecahedron by shrinking it and essentially putting it in his pocket the doctor and roman and canine get out of the time loop by basically doing the events of the time Time loop before they loop back and that somehow confuses the time loop so they get to Tigella and then they uh they get there just as Megalos is leaving and they uh, the doctor gets blamed for stealing the dodecahedron even though he never got there Romana gets captured almost by these well she gets captured by the the, the mercenary guys and uh but sort of outsmarts them and gets away but then Megalos leaves with the dodecahedron goes back to Zulfathura puts it in the middle of these screens in the middle of the desert, which is actually a base for a super weapon. And the super weapon, uh, he's about to destroy Tigella, but the doctor comes back, impersonates Megalos. They both get thrown in prison. Uh, and then, because uh, the, the mercenary guys have tried to take over, and then, the but the doctor has had time to reconfigure it so that it's going to destroy back on itself. And so they uh, bust out uh, and they run back to the TARDIS and then everything starts to go wrong with the base. 
and the, those guys can't get out in time. Meglos tries to run and stomp it, goes back into his cactus form, uh, but no, they can't do anything about it, and the whole place blows up. The Doctor takes the Earthling, who has been freed from Meglos, back home, and the Tigellans now have to live on the surface of their planet because the Dodecahedron's gone, and it was powering their whole underground uh, society. Time! Oh, my God! Glory, glory, glory to Pete Pachal for... The best summary of Megalos I've ever heard. That was incredible. That was almost amazing. Megalos itself. <laughs> it really was. I mean, that this proves. Mark, can you come back every week? Because that might have been the <laughs> best I think I've ever done at TLDW. <laughs> Usually I'm over by at least five seconds. Yeah, what I really appreciate is you left so much time for that final, the final five minutes that you actually made them less confusing. Yeah. Than what they were on screen. Like I, I didn't know what happened to Tigella after all of that. I, I, like you blink and you miss whatever the hell is going on there. Whether the Dodecahedron's returned or who even knows. So, so that was my. Thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> what do you like? Have a statuette or something? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Speech. Speech. Heavy some like flowers. Family, Speech. Garden. <laughs> you know what? But the thing is, I'm also hard on myself because I knew as I was doing it, 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 every time you do TLDW, you have to leave stuff out, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I did not get enough. Uh, I didn't say enough about Lexa. And That's Jack, right. Which, That's right. And we should, we should pause and say that, listeners, yeah. if you're listening with a an Amazon device in the room or a Kablam <laughs> device in the room, you might want to mute it because we're going to be saying the word Lexa a lot. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, sir. Indeed. Yeah, so Lexa, uh, I feel like, I mean, it's such a, she, it's obviously it's Jacqueline Hill mm. who played Barbara, and this is her <clears throat> coming back to the show, sort of coming home. It's the first time she's back. It's the first time any companion has come back in any right. role other than their companion role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like to the extent that Megloss is trying to say anything about anything, it's, <laughs> it's kind Sorry. of using Jackie Hill... <laughs> And her role in this sort of religion versus science thing as, as a bit of a backdrop. It ends up being more of a backdrop than a theme. Um, but she's great in it. I love her costume. Her wig is like to die for. She's got this great uh, white wig. hair choices going on in this story. Yeah. So I feel like she's 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 a big part of it that I unfortunately left out because I just wanted to cut to the doctor. Well, you got to leave something for me and Chris to talk about after you've done your. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Leave some on the field, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you you did fail to mention also Ty, uh, which yes, means that Mark right, and I right. must now you, we must we must now ritually sacrifice you. I'm sorry, we don't yeah. make the rules, but if you just lay back with a with a silk cushion and. Uh, yeah, what's life. that no big stone? Food had gone so far out into the universe, I didn't realize there were such fans of it. You know, yes, we'll, we'll certainly. In in the question of whether the evil plot had succeeded, which we'll be talking about at the end of the podcast, uh, we definitely have to discuss whether a time lord would re- regenerate if a stone that size splat <laughs> yeah. all over your skeletal structure. Exactly. Yeah. What happens then? You sort of slink away like Megalos does in this, <laughs> like a. Maybe he just like regenerates into a pizza, <laughs> and then it's just he becomes different <laughs> toppings every time he regenerates after that. Well, I, I want to I want to bring uh, Mark in front and said because uh, as uh, alert listeners know from last week, Mark, you specifically requested season season mm-hmm. seventeen. I did. I- and uh, here we are in season eighteen, which in in the last sort of JNT 
episode. Like, it's not yeah. entirely sure who's at the wheel for Megalos. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of cooks, but apparently no one was in the kitchen. Um, uh, what think- what did you... Is it, are you now cursing yourself for making that request and having the randomizer? I think the randomizer is teaching me to just <laughs> mind my own business and shut the hell up <laughs> and let it choose what it wants. Uh, oh yes. But that said, this is probably the most season seventeen story in season eighteen. If I had to, interesting. Look at uh, mm-hmm. the the general feel of the story. Definitely, as a kid watching, so I started with season seventeen, ah. uh, and then. Season 18 was the first one I watched all the stories for. Yes. So obviously I was blown away because it was so new and shiny and sparkly. You had this new I, I'm in exactly the same boat. Yeah, yes, exactly. I didn't watch all of 17, but what I uh-huh. watched I loved. And then 18 was like, right, I'm there for the leisure hive. What's this? New theme tune! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All changed. You know, you've got this all brand changed. new costume for the Doctor. and So yeah, um, at the time as a kid, I loved it. I thought it was really exciting. Um, however... Being a, an older gentleman now, um, I, which I, I must admit, I'm surprised, Chris, to hear you say that you were watching around the same time as me because, you know, you've obviously worn much better than me. You, you obviously didn't have such a tough paper round, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure you fought in a time war or two. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, looking back now, I mean, there are things to like about season 18, but I don't love it in the same way I do season 17. It just feels a bit... They tried to. They sucked a lot of the fun out of it. Mm. I know that was mm. kind of the the mo of JNT. But... Well, it was more the mo of Christopher H. Bidmead, really. Yeah. I, mean, I think yeah. having having read back on what Bidmead says about Meglas, which the Doctor Who magazine did an uh, interview with him years ago, mm-hmm. and they sort of take him through everything in season eighteen. Yeah. And uh, with Meglas's first comment is, "Oh, oh, people didn't like that, did they?" Oh, and something like that. Oh, oh, you didn't like what I gave you. Was he plain dumb? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But we will get to talk. Doesn't like fun. We get to talk about what he inserted (laughs) and what he he removed. But he also, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right that he doesn't like fun. And what stuck in my head from that interview is he criticizes Rose. He criticizes the Doctor and Rose for saying lots of planets have a north. And he doesn't get why that's funny. And I'm like, you are way too literal minded, man. You're like, you're, you're stopped and thinking about planets having a north and all that. But yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because like Neglos looks like it should be a lot more fun, right? Like yes. it's, there's, there's so much that's like, honestly, like on, on paper or not on paper, like looking at this episode, it's just totally bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's a cactus that takes over bodies. It can shape shift. And then there's this time loop thing. And it's like, they get out of it by repeating the time. Like that's just mm-hmm. kind of, Weird yes. and dumb, and but, thank you for saying there's... there's a time loop thing and not a chronic hysteresis, <laughs> which is a term that Bidmead came up with, which I add to the uh, legion of data showing that he has no fun. <laughs> but it is oh, a very my entertaining blog written by Stephen Shapansky from Radio Free Scaro. Oh yes. Oh yeah. yeah. You got to have him on the pod. Yeah, he's a great <laughs> guy. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Terrible, but, terrible choice of words. Anyway, we'll get to that. But then, but then, of course, like not only is this society worshiping like essentially a giant Dungeons and Dragons die, but <laughs> mm-hmm. it's also you you have that you know the image that everyone knows from Megalos, which is of course Tom Baker, uh, all the God. bumps on his hands that and his is. face, and he's he's just he's Mr. Megalos, you know, like it, the visuals on this thing are 
are kind of nuts. It's also like in in for a little behind the scenes notes that it's the first time they use this sort of special effect technique that you can really tell with the miniaturized screens and stuff yeah, on the planet of Zulfathura. Which and it's actually, I can tell is basically a, a motion camera in its in its infancy. Yeah. Right. Right. Which so is it's computer but, controlled. It's supposed to mimic what the main camera's doing. But given that Star Wars did it th- three years earlier with proper uh, motion yeah, control well, cameras, Star Wars has got a budget of fifty gazillion dollars, whereas Doctor Who's got ten uh, pence. Yeah. Uh, but the original Star Wars had a low budget, and yeah, George well, Lucas had to build it out of bits of string in a Van Nuys <laughs> warehouse. Uh, anyway, but we won't get sucked into <laughs> Star Wars today, sir. No, sir. Even though there is a very Death Star-like end to this thing with a what oh, planet yeah. shall we destroy yeah. today? Um, but yeah, it's it felt to me to to this point of like it feels like it 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 had the fun sucked out. It felt like it could have been a good Douglas Adams story. Mm-hmm. Right. Speaking of season seventeen, it has so much weird Douglas Adamsness to it. The yeah. cactus feels very Douglas. The dodecahedron. Oh, yeah. A repeating a word like dodecahedron, which Douglas Adams would have loved. He loved the sound of language. And, uh, you know, his, his word Golgofrinchen sounds very much like, what is it, Zolta? I can't think of the Zolfa two Thuron. names. Zolfa Thuron. You know, so it feels like a lot that, that Adams would have to conjure with. Mm-hmm. But, like, they've, they've sucked not only the, uh, the humor out of it, but also the sense, uh, mm. the, the explanations, was, which Adams was all, always overly into explaining mm-hmm. things, which is desperately what this needed. Like, who was the Earth Man? Yeah. <laughs> well, who is Meglos? Who is like, Meglos? Why he is he says he's boss? the last Zulf of Thurin, but he's like, is he a cactus? Is he a blob? Is he some wavelength of light, which I think the doctor says at one point. And what's his deal? Like, why is he so intense? And why is he alone? And how long has he been alone? And what, like, what's, you know, I know he wants to sort of take over the cosmos, I guess, by having the dodecahedron turn it, turn it into the super weapon. But like, why? like what's your plan like what's your end game here dude this may be the doctor who story with the most questions per minute Mm. um (laughs) which is a little weird because it's also famous for for not having a lot of minutes right it's it's one of the most ever just below the leisure hive apparently which is pretty pretty padded as well i don't remember we'll get there when we get proceeding story it was indeed so obviously there was a lot of padding going on while we waited for JNT to take the reins, uh, as he probably does in full circle, yeah. which we've also been to, which is the next story. Um, so, Mark, had you had you seen this one before? Like, I know y'all, you said you grew up on this era. Mm-hmm. Had you seen it since then, prior to watching for the podcast? Yeah. So um, I collect some bits and bobs of paraphernalia i went crazy with the um action figures when they first came out because you know as a kid i all i wanted was a doctor who action figure and then Mm. tons of them yeah and then i kind of got to the point where i'm like i've got way too much tat but the the one thing i have always kept up with is the dvd and blu-ray releases so i would have bought it on dvd and now of course we have the the beautiful season 18 blu-ray Wow! So Indeed. You, you you bought Megalos twice. Yes, <laughs> commitment for the price of many dodecahedrons. Yeah. You uh, yes. Uh, so where should we go from here? Like there are so many things to talk about. Where do we start? Uh, Mark, what? Well, was there anything that jumped out at you this time on this rewatch that you hadn't noticed before? I'm not sure about hadn't noticed before, but I just I felt like there's an attempt at world building here. Mm. So you have the uh, 
the science-based guys with the uh, the beautiful wigs. And then you have the... <laughs> uh, what is up with those wigs? The guys, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that sort of uh, juxtaposition of uh, technology and religion and... Did, so did it feel did it feel very 80s music video to you a bit like you'd, you'd see some yeah, new romantic band switch, that was another switch that we had in season 18 is that we went completely over to the radiophonic workshop and uh, it yeah. became very synth heavy whereas yep. the season before we had uh, deadly dudley simpson and his uh, <laughs> orchestra so yeah i suppose it maybe that dates it a little bit but um yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there's there's like nine seconds of Paddy Kingsland in this, so uh, I think that's about how much he composed, and then everything else was turned over to the to the other guy who'd had the flu. Um, yeah, big big Paddy Kingsland fan here. I've I've talked mm-hmm. about this in my in the Full Circle podcast, the Legopolis podcast, and it's it's a shame that there isn't more in Megalos. Um, well, one thing they do in season eighteen is they really do more than arguably the. Kita Time certainly did this, but they more than you're used to in Doctor Who, they're stringing the episodes together. Yes. And this one obviously calls back to the Leisure Hive where uh, K9 went for a swim. Yes. <laughs> and for some reason, he detonates on contact with seawater. Interesting design. Okay, 50th century. Not, <laughs> not too many, not a lot of salt water in the 50th century, I guess. I guess. And then. So they're they're fixing him here, and there's it's actually like a plot point. So they fix him, but his battery only lasts two hours now, mm. uh, at least in this story. So That's right. this is sort of a, a convenient way to sideline him when he's too convenient to plot point, right? Because if you, if K nine can always just come in and like shoot up the bad guys, like you don't really have much of a story, right? So right. he just no, sort of has to I conveniently run out of power. Had it in for K nine as soon as he took over. Mm. And um, I believe that Bill Fraser, who played General Grugger, mm. insisted on yeah. being able to kick K9, and that would be the clincher to him taking the part. That yeah. was that was the story that the tabloids got a hold of. I'm not sure <laughs> that uh, it necessarily <laughs> checks out, but it sounds like this kind of thing he would say. It makes um, good headlines. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bill Bill Fraser never never has a man sort of been taken out of time more in terms of looking back on this now when i don't think anyone really remembers uh, bill <laughs> fraser's great comedy career that he had before this uh fun fun doctor who related fact he replaced william hartnell on uh was it the army game that, that oh, was yeah. a series in the 50s yeah 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 so that's that's his that's his derivation and you can tell that he's sort of just itching to play this as a comedy bit but he can't find the comedy yeah, again, it's one of those things. They seem like they want to go to almost like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern thing with um, mm. um, Grugger Grugger. and Brotodak. Brotodak. Yeah, well, then that's that's funny. There's another sort of behind-the-scenes thing that Brotodak, I guess, is bad actor, yes. like yes. an anagram of bad actor, which because. is like, oh... Well, like, was was the actor in on that? I mean, he, cool. he was he was brought in on it. So it was that the writers uh, thought that they would throw that in as a as a jape because they figured that that was the kind of role that you put a bad actor in. And apparently, they took Frederick Treves, is it, who uh, who uh, played him out for a drink at some point and said, "Oh, hey, this is why he's called Brush Jack." And he thought, "Oh, that's great." Uh, <laughs> we don't know how many pints in he was at this point. 
Uh, <laughs> he certainly, if if he took from that that he should be a bad actor, then then bravo, sir, full marks because you achieved <laughs> what you what you set out to do. That my goodness, he is he's terrible, and they so did not the, make like, a comedy duo. For the bad guys, I think you know they these mercenaries. It's, the script's really confused, and I think it has a lot to do with the padding because the Grugger seems like he he's supposed to be competent. Mm. You know, he seems like he's wants to take control of Megalos's super weapon and he has these designs to do that. And at parts of the script, it's like, oh, okay, so this guy's sort of more the in charge type person. Um, and then there's the bit in episode three where Romana just makes fools out of them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the the padding is so clear, the writing is so bad, yep. and they just end up being absolute idiots that you, I just, at that point, I, I couldn't take them seriously anymore. It's just like, what the hell? You were asking earlier if there was anything I'd noticed this time. There is actually something that's just come to mind now where I was thinking, oh, hang on a minute. So when they bump into Romana... Um, there seems to be a, a moment there where they don't know who she is, whereas they've been watching her hmm. on the screen in the chronic hysteresis with Tom not that long before. Good point. Oh, right. Admittedly, yes. she's wearing a different outfit from what she had on, but yeah, she's you know, it's not like she's not Sailor Moon anymore. She she's the one who's basically doing robot dog porn uh, by waggling <laughs> waggling canine's tail over and over. My goodness, never thought I'd see so much tail waggling on a robot dog. <laughs> Just imagine like I mean, Chris, a room full of robot goodness. dogs in the dark. Watching what, you guys, movie. you guys have never looked at robot dog porn. Come on, come on. I know you have. I know you have. Uh, you don't have to say it. I'll just take that uh, silence as uh, consent. Um, no, the uh, yes, it's so weird. I mean, you ca- can you imagine Jacqueline Hill being brought into all this, and they're like, you know, she's like, oh, I've been in Doctor Who since since 1965. What's what's this story about? And they're about, oh, it's it's about the gas tax and uh, human sacrifice. <laughs> She's like, oh, I can do that. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're space pirates, and you're actually committing the sacrifice this time around. Have fun. Uh, what must she have thought of this? I mean, first yeah. of all, can, can we just toot our own horn and say how wild it is that the randomizer brought us here? I know we're going to talk about it later, but I cannot get over it. Gaztex, Aztecs, human sacrifice, human sacrifice, Jacqueline Hill. Jacqueline freaking hell. Yeah. Before we, I'd perfect. forgotten that. I'd forgotten that about Meglos. At all. I, I mean, I knew she was in it and I kept looking for her. I actually didn't recognize her like, so at first. So, Well, it's funny. My uh, daughter did. She, yeah. she was like right away, like, wait a minute. I, I've seen her before. Like she didn't quite place it. And I was, and then, but then she said, oh, she looks like Barbara. Mm-hmm. So like it took her a minute, but wow, it was like that. And I said, same actress. And she was like, oh yeah. So she, and she was very pleased. She really liked that it starred someone that, that she knew. Um, well, full marks yeah. to her, but that, that sort of increases the pressure on the script to be like, why, why did you take someone who looked like Barbara? The doctor would surely recognize when he's being held down and sacrificed by her. Yeah, you'd think. I think I think she she's great in it. I mean, she she does a really good job, and and I, I you know I just love the imagery that like this former companion is the one that's about to kill the doctor. Yeah, <laughs> like there's there's again more there's fun to be had here if they would just indulge themselves a little more in it, right? And I mean, um, imagine imagine if that were actually Barbara that that she'd sort of gone off 
uh, had more adventures, uh, determined to wipe out human sacrifice in the galaxy. But due to some accidental mishap somewhere down the line, she something in her brain gets twisted. She's now in favor of human sacrifice, and here she is. And the doctor would be like, Barbara, no, it's me. <laughs> well, then it's, it'd be funny because she doesn't know anything about regeneration, right? So then, you know, you'd have a whole like back and forth about that. I do say your politics change as you get older, but... <laughs> Barbara became the thing she hated. It's <laughs> <laughs> what happens. I watch think watch out, school teachers. Really keep me interested and make me enjoy this are Jackie Hill. I think she's great. Mm-hmm. And Tom's commitment. Because I find, particularly with season 18, whether it's because he's a getting a bit grumpy because he's Mm. being told to cut down on the humor whether it's that he's obviously aware by this point that he's not going to be doctor who anymore after this Mm. season so it's going to be understandably a bit prickly um no 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 uh and then you know you've got uh he really goes for it, I feel, in this. It's you've got the there's still that warmth from the doctor. And I do feel there are some perhaps a few more comedic moments in this compared to a lot of the other season eighteen stories. Mm. Uh, but when he's playing Megalos, he's going for it a hundred percent. I love it the really way he is. plays. I think he's great. Yeah, yeah. And you, you yeah, you don't confuse them that much, although it is a bit confusing at the end where we, we have them dressed almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not, you can't immediately remember who's who, but that's kind of the fault of the editing at the end, I think. And I would say you're right on his performance, like right up until episode four, mm-hmm. where you the the line between Megalos and the Doctor starts to get a little blurry. There are a couple moments when he is Megalos and he sounds a little Doctorish. Yeah. You know, there's at least one line, I forget what it is, but he's sort of in the ship there. I think with Brodadak and stuff. And he says something like, Oh, I think this will, uh, he holds up the dodecahedron. I think this will replace the old torn jacket. You know, it's a little bit like, eh, it doesn't sound like the way Megalos would say that. No, you're right. I mean, earlier, like when, you know, just his announcement to, I forget the Tigellin, but he, uh-huh. he's basically got her cornered and he just screams his name at her. That's really good. Even the stuff earlier when he's pretending to be the doctor, mm-hmm. he's very believably like, Kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the doctor, and I kind of say things like this, and this yeah. is what time oh. lords do, right? Like, and again, this is like they haven't seen the doctor in fifty years. Apparently, yeah. they don't know what this guy acts like. So, you know, why not? He can do it in a line where uh, he's talking to um, what's the the guy who's chummy with him who invites Zasta. Zasta. Mm. He's talking to Zasta. First of all, he doesn't recognize him, so that's a bit of a giveaway. Um, mm-hmm. But he says, "Oh, older and wiser, doctor, definitely wiser." You can tell just from that look, you ain't the doctor, and that's just great. That really sells it to me. That was that was great. I also loved the uh, where he has to swallow his pride at, at praising Ty. Oh, yeah, that which look. that's yeah. he's, nice he's, bit he's of just gonna break, but no, he holds it in. Nice bit of world building, and that's literally the only thing I'm going to say in Megalos that has that uh, that could be described as a nice bit of world building. It really is just it abandons so many ideas and concepts that. Someone was asleep at the switch here. And I will say that Bidmead, I'm, I'm sort of pointing the finger at Bidmead for the problems here because he invented that whole uh, Romana leading those guys in a loop and making them dumb thing. And yeah. because he inserted the whole coat joke, that was him. 
he thought that was yeah. funny. I don't want to slam bid me too much. I do like him as a writer most of the time. Like if it's his story and he has yeah. these big scientific concepts and if he, he takes them seriously and yeah. he's, he's very curious and interested. But yeah, here where he's just doing like that, that padding is so bad. I, I feel like he's a better uh, writer than script editor probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, he called for something else. And like, you know, again, taking a step back on, like we talked a bit about disaster uh, and a bit like the Ty Gellin, whole I, Ty Gellin society thing. I mean, can we, can we, can we talk about that for a minute? Yes. Just how yes, it just makes no sense would never work. So, so one thing I thought about, maybe no one thinks that maybe this is just me, but you have these two sides of the society, seemingly equal in size, equal in sort of influence. Mm-hmm. One's super religious, one's presumably like secular, but scientific, certainly. And I'm really into disco. Sorry. Well, how do you choose a leader? Like a leader's got to come from one of these sides, does it not? Is, and is, then, is Zaster the leader? I'm not I'm not quite yeah. sure. Yeah. He's sort of like He's the middleman, right? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, now let's everyone just calm down and take a beat. Let's get around the negotiating table here. Religious people, you have valid concerns. Uh, but actually, really, they don't. It's the most rubbish basis for a religion I think I've seen in yeah. all of Doctor Who. This thing dropped out of the sky. Oh, and there are aliens. Oh, so things exist in the sky. No, this must be a gift from the heavens. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so like I feel like the whole two factions leader who is the mediator. I mean, this this sort of structure, uh, maybe even more than anything, dates the story. I feel like because you would never do this kind of thing today. This is sort of a classic sort of sci-fi setup of like it's all sort of predetermined to have some kind of dilemma. Whereas like, well, that that just that would just never happen. I mean, like again, I'm not being super fair by just looking at it back at it at 2023, particularly, you know, at a certain time in politics in the world mm-hmm. where there there's often this idea of like, oh, there's two sides, but the leader's always usually one side or the other, right? Like, and then even as much as they might try to mediate, so there's there's sort of like an inherent distrust of that. Now again, that Megalos isn't about that, but it did take me out of the show a little bit by like yeah. I'm it's, kind of going like, come on. And it's I mean, a fair he does, point. He does shout out, doesn't he, as he's about to be thrown out into the the outside world. He said, I was always a believer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a bit late in the day to be shouting it, but yeah. You you do raise a good point, Pete, which afflicts a lot of science fiction, which is this. Science fiction seems to think, oh, they're being really smart and clever when they have two opposing sides on a planet. Right. And the planet is cleft in two. Well, no, how about three? How about just for a change? Disaster <laughs> is like the head of this of this sort of he's he's the liberal democrats. He's he's the one right. in the middle. He might make a coalition with one or the other. So oh, you know, they they yeah, they, they might make yeah, jokes about him, but they also have to woo him potentially at some point, right? Uh so that would be interesting. Uh, to to go yeah. there. But like how there many Doctor Who religion versus technology stories have we already seen in our random adventure how many more are in our future uh i feel like the randomizer is telling us <laughs> to prepare for a lot more of these right uh but we I have seen the feel... crotons it's very crotons ish right yeah a little yeah, bit a little bit yeah i think zaster also drew the, sh- the short straw and the, the the fashion drawing because he's got, <laughs> he's got that like purple hood it, like, yes. it's like little red hoodie. riding hood except it's purple <laughs> Yeah, he's wearing a hoodie, and then he isn't. He's got like yeah. some other layer on top of hair. it. I mean, <laughs> I oh, sort of feel, yeah, 
they they could have just thrown in the, the the idea that the doctor said no no I just meant that as a joke I didn't mean for you to do that for the next fifty years you know pulls a toady down like ah, dude come on I'm sure you guys probably saw this when you're doing your research beforehand um, the guy playing Zaster was apparently Ian Fleming's first choice to be James Bond what oh wow I did not see that I didn't know memory. yeah. My goodness. Mm. James Bond would have been a lot more conciliatory, I think. <laughs> yeah, but he, he got Zaster, though, man. Like, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's something for you. Yeah. yeah. I want that martini shaken, not stirred. But it's okay if you want to say, I, it's a, whatever, whatever's more comfortable for you. Um, oh, poor Zaster. So I could, I could pick at other things at the Tigellan Society, but and one of them is like, that Please they have laser guns, they have knowledge of the Time Lords, yet they have so these plants on the surface are a problem for them they for really some need reason. To work That's on weird. Their gardening skills, don't they? they yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah they let's... have to because at the end the dodecahedron's gone, right? And so right. they essentially have to go live on the surface now, and they seem very calm about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, let, let's make it quite clear: like the, the surface is clearly not as inhospitable as they think, as they claim. Mm. It's just that they've let the garden overrun. And what do you call people who just stay underground uh, while the garden over? They're shut-ins, okay? They're shut. Uh-huh. That's why they're invested in this uh, internecine squabble. Um, but yeah, yeah, just get out. It'll be a, do them a world of good. They'll they'll cut down those uh, deadly bell peppers. What, what everything will be fine. The, uh, the sort of studio based jungle. I feel like oh. they did it so much better in season seventeen and in uh, Planet of Evil as well. Yeah, Planet of Evil. That's good. What, what was season seventeen's? What was that one? Creature from the Pit. Oh yeah, oh, I haven't pit. seen that oh, one. Plants. Yeah, it's oh, so good. Oh, well, well, maybe the randomizer will send us there next on our next jungle adventure. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> it, it did give me. It did give me. Um, yes, please, please, please give me more. I, I feast on them. Um, but this jungle didn't really seem to feast on a lot. Uh, you know, those, those I plants. I don't know. Romana, but, uh, it, it yeah, but limp, wasn't it? She got, yeah. the ga- did the gas tax escape it? They they do Just escape about, it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not really. I mean, it was very Triffidy. It did yeah. give me. I got Triffid vibes from the mm-hmm. the wrapping the vines around, and for a moment I was scared of the Triffids in my memory. Pink <laughs> uh, did that ever? The fungoids from the fungoids. Uh, the yeah, oh. well, that's what I was thinking. As as when they attacked them, like I, all I could hear was a Dalek in the background screaming, "Hostile <laughs> plant life, destroy, destroy." Did you, did you guys know? By the way, we were talking about Megalos maybe coming back um, in right. uh, in the lodger, and yeah. that the reason that it wasn't uh, is because they would look too similar to the creatures in the End of Time, the name of which I cannot remember. Oh, it starts with yes. Oh. Thank you. Okay. Uh, because of those, yeah. Thanks, Russell T. Davies. You uh, stopped the return of Megalos. Yeah. <laughs> just made them red like Banacafalata. Exactly. <laughs> they are related species, I believe. Yeah. 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 So, we need more Megalos in our lives, man. I want to know what's the deal. Like the thing is, could he have survived? I feel like he could have because he's like a bunch of different things. Like the whole planet blew up, I guess. But yeah. Is he light? Maybe he's just light. Like, can he just beamed himself somewhere? Who knows? Yeah, well, and they say that he's on some sort of weird spectrum of light, but then he sort of shuffles away like the creature in Ark in Space. Uh, I I don't know what that was about. It was like a pizza shuffling along the floor. 
Uh, that's not yeah, exactly. Also, why didn't they just grab a bucket or something and yeah. <laughs> slam it over him? All right, cool. <laughs> got him. Got him. Now we I can find out what the hell this creature is about. And do they specifically need earthlings? Yeah, oh, apparently. Yeah. Can't just. I mean, goes out of his way. The, uh, the that was the most most Douglas Adams esque moment. That the, mm. the sort of you you have Arthur Dent with the personality sucked out, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed like and a then, sort of third rate bank manager. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. and then he says he'd rather not go back because he told his wife he'd only be twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, uh, like he was much better when he was fighting Megloss. Like there, you have a little bit of respect for him, even though he like has virtually no lines, and he's just like kind of this, you know, superimposed thing image that's mm-hmm. trying to push out. You're like, you got respect <laughs> for the guy. He's like, all right, he's really, he's really pushing back here, and then he just has this horrible joke at the end. Like what a bizarre way to end it! Like it's just yes. oh. and also so you can you can understand turning into a cactus, but you can't understand time travel. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> come on, sir! I feel like your nineteenth-century reading feels to needs to progress a little bit uh, onto the time machine uh, from Franz Kafka. Anyway, no, it, it just it's it's so weird, and you can imagine the actor on set whose name is Christopher Owen. Uh, I remember that odd little fact for some reason. Uh, and he, he he just sort of, you know, he's you can imagine him on set going, "What's my motivation?" Asking the director, mm-hmm. like, what, "What is my motivation for this scene?" Uh, I you know I'm trying to struggle against Tom Baker, like in the sort of classic, "I'm escaping from you" pose as a ghost. Um, and <laughs> he, he just yeah, I, 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 what what is my motivation? Oh well, your wife said you were going to be twenty minutes late. Uh, or, or said, you know, don't be more than 20 minutes. <laughs> so Life is not worthing. I'm going to spoil stuff for people not listening on YouTube <laughs> or watching on YouTube that Mark had to jump out for a second. And I, I'm not sure if this is you, Mark, or is this a cactus impersonating you now? Because I'm a little I weirded out. <laughs> that was that was so fantastic. I had to go into a time loop to cover for you, I'm afraid, Mark. Yeah, I I, yeah. I think I repeated that. the same uh, sentence three times, uh, but I got out, out of it. Work out how to use a cat flap, so I had to. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, not one of the cheetah people, obviously. Yeah, no, she's <laughs> she's high maintenance. <laughs> had she had she oh, seen really? a cactus or something? Because I I know there's the thing about cats when they see cacti, they kind of get freaked out. Yeah, and uh, okay. as well, apparently. All right, guys, I have to zero in on one line in this serial, which I hold up with No Not the Mind Probe <laughs> as one of the most so bad it's good lines in the whole series. It's like <laughs> when Romana goes, she almost turns to camera when it's like episode four, like, what's on Zolfathor? Oh, nothing. No, just the screens. Uh, screens. And she goes, the screens of Zolfathura. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, it's, it's funny because, like, I mean, I think they believe they sort of set it up plot wise in, in episode one. But I mean, I, I also have to think back to, like, I guess this is 1980, and like, this, this would have been three or four weeks ago. And it just seems like crazy out of nowhere knowledge on the part of Romana that. She she just kind of like oh yeah that, ex- nothing to worry about except the one thing this planet's known for it could be a problem you know it's like when's that 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 flaming meteor where's it going to land oh um, no don't worry about it it's just the other side of town uh, where there's a gasoline factory. <laughs> <laughs> the 
screens. I, you know what? I thought you were going to go for the uh, Protodax uh, yelling at Romana about uh, killing oh, her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what is it? Too much. <laughs> I think he says months. <laughs> she said too much. Kill her. And that, and that's the cliffhanger, right? Is <laughs> oh no, is Romana going to get out of being randomly shot? Yes. Yeah, I think Cliff. it's like again, if they had leaned more into the fever dream of this and just decided <laughs> to go full bonkers with it, it would have been a classic, right? And that yeah. line, like the mind probe line, would have been in the you know who who canon for me. It's just personally, it's a thing I just look forward to when I watch Megawa. So here comes here comes the line, and then <laughs> actually, and Baker says it right after her again. But it's like, come on, man, she just she just stole your thunder. Don't even try. She she got it. Yes, the screens of Alpha Fura. Well, oh, Tom. That's called the Mind Probe, and we use that <laughs> clip. Uh, <laughs> of, no, oh, I, I would expect probe. nothing less. Uh, so if we ever decide to change it up, we'll we'll have to go with the uh, the screens of Zulfa Thur. It it does feel like a segment that we need for for the video side of our podcast, yeah. Pete. We just yeah. we're going to show you some screens now. <laughs> Maybe you can use another uh, way of uh, voting on how much you enjoyed a, a show because <laughs> you've only got what twelve now. Yeah, this uh, this was a screen of Zolfathura for me. I'm not exactly sure what it means, yeah. but <laughs> sounded like potentious the at the time. Yeah, exactly, the gentlemen are seventh rating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're not we're not up to there yet, but I do want to plant a seed, as it were. Of of saying that this this may be for you and me, Mark, potentially our fixed point in time because we are so nostalgic about season eighteen. So I don't want to skew your rating in any way. I might not myself rate it thus, but I just wanted to throw that in there for a little bit of dramatic attention. I do wonder whether my um, reminiscing about that particular era might slightly cloud my judgment on this one. <laughs> cloud your judgment, he said, wearing a season 18 scarf. Boy, that's nonsense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I may just take that out. We may have, we have to pass on this uh, because it is so much bonkers fun. And it could have been more bonkers fun if Chris Bidby had taken all of that overrunning time and used it to kind of just explain things a little bit more. Well, I think also, they even if they didn't go full on into the fun, they could have at least made an episode four much better with just a couple of changes, I think. Because it's mm. like, they do the whole thing at the end where it's like, okay, is it the doctor? Is it Megloss? They're misleading each other. Yeah. That's fun. But I feel like that was leading up to a scene that they almost do, but they don't follow through with, which is like, who's who? And it's literally, it's who's who for literally like a second because mm -hmm. Romana comes into where they both are and it's like, oh my. And then Megalos just completely takes the mask off immediately. He's like, yeah. get out of my way. Like, okay, you're Megalos. And, and just, just <laughs> for one moment, for I don't know if you saw it, but just for one moment, there is what now has to be. And I think we should use the pull to open Twitter account for this purpose. This has to be the most memeable Doctor Who moment because it's basically the Spider-Man meme. Where oh, they're yeah. pointing at each other. Like, we've got to do like that, but the Doctor Who version, and it's this. Yeah. It's like a screenshot from Megloss. Who knew? I mean, before he says, get out of my way, he does stare right through her. And you could be forgiven for thinking, well, yeah, that is Tom for a lot of season 18. <laughs> <laughs> that's him. Officer, that's the man. 
until the second half where he couldn't even look at her, I guess. Yeah. For, yeah. for a little bit there. Oh. Uh, but you, you kind of want one of those scenes, like the thing that immediately comes to mind, there's an old episode of the original Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Whom Gods Destroy. And basically there's a guy who can shapeshift and he shapeshifts into Captain Kirk. And there's this bit where Spock opens the door to the room and then there's two Kirks in there. And they're both claimed to be the original. And then it's like, all right, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll try to figure this out by asking them questions. I'm going to maybe wait around for one of them to do stuff. And then the big fight ensues. Of course, a big Star Trek fight between the other. I mean, it's just, it's like, this is how you do the scene, right? Like, and yeah. I feel, you know, this is what, I don't know, 13 years later? <laughs> like, maybe they forgot. I don't know. I just, yeah. so much potential wasted there. It's not our first doppelganger. And we've had, uh, the enemy of the world, and before yes. that, we had the massacre as well. Indeed, and I like that the Doctor has that line about, oh, what, what we've got here is a good old-fashioned doppelganger. Because, of course, it is good old-fashioned to him. It's, yeah. He's had one for every regeneration except Pertwee, right? And would have one again in Arc mm-hmm. of Infinity, which we've also been to recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Colin Baker ever gets one, does he? I don't think so. Maybe in Big Finish somewhere. It's, his name is Sylvester McCoy. And it appears right at the start of time in the run. <laughs> he gets it's an uncanny. There's an impersonator in Big Finish. If you've ever listened to the One Doctor, yes, which is it's quite a good, quite a good, uh, yeah, a fun, fun episode. There's there's funs, by the way, folks. If you like fun fan service, um, but another thing they could have done in episode four is that there again they they seem to set this up like Megloss turns into the Blob. He goes back into the cactus. Yeah. And then does nothing, you know, like it's, it, he's just kind of like, they could have done a little bit more with that and Grugger and wrestling for control of the facility somehow. Yeah. Yet it, he's just kind of back. And wh- wh- why'd you do that if you weren't going to do anything with it? Yeah. I mean, we really, there, there is so much that big finish uh, could clear up here if anyone actually cared. Um, but yeah, we could have a whole big finish on who the earthling is and his whole backstory and, uh, and something about the end of Zelfa I mean, it just, it's kind of crying out for that, but like, yeah, none of these strands, all these strands are too spiky to touch even for big finish. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, those strands are leading to questions, of course, though we've answered and asked many uh, we have to answer a few more. And those are, of course, the four questions to Doomsday. First question. Why did the randomizer take us here? Uh, well, <laughs> I have no idea. You... On the whole uh, human sacrifice thing, I think it was just, you know, messing with us and just saying, you made such a big deal about it last time. Well, we're going to skip yep. an episode and then bring you back there again. Yeah, well, it's it's very randomizer-like behavior to take us to to right before full circle after we've seen full circle fairly recently, so that that mm. that checks out. But I am a little worried about the human sacrifice angle because we said it last week in Kablam that there's kind of a human sacrifice angle to that too. That's what Kablam Kablam is becoming mm. sentient and essentially performing a human sacrifice uh, of Kira to to let her her lover Charlie know how much it hurts what he's right. going to do. So, but <laughs> nevertheless it's a human sacrifice so is the randomizer trying to sacrifice us pete i mean and should we continue this conversation uh, in in the pod bay perhaps yeah oh no the randomizer can read lips um Chris, don't look above you i have yeah. <laughs> there's no stone that i'm about to 
cut the ropes of, or I guess you have to use the torch, right? That's yeah, right. exactly. Start singing Daisy Daisy, then you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's why it's slowed down at the end of episode four. Okay. Um, so, so we talked about the exclamation point title. Yeah. And this one deserving it. The whole the sacrifice thing for sure with the Aztecs. But honestly, Mark, it's funny. As we were talking, I realized you did it. <laughs> you were coming oh because the, you got you on your podcast just did the enemy of the world it is yes a doppelganger episode and so the randomizer knew our podcasts were going to intersect that's it and i said you got to do megalos absolutely you know i i feel satisfied about the narrative structure of this episode of pull to open now because i noticed that <laughs> at the beginning i was like oh is that is that a reason is that a connection fantastic and now we've brought it up again at the end good job Pete. okay sure you did notice it at the beginning after i said it <laughs> i was like Doctor, i said the screens well yes no look i'm i'm spoiler alert i'm going to be asking the randomizer for another doppelganger episode but um, oh okay wow so i i know i remembered the names of all of hold them. on hold on you're Taking everything out of order here. It's too oh, no. We're in a time loop. Chronic hysteresis. It's time, though, guys, for the second question. We're only on the second question, which is what if the evil plot had succeeded? Okay. So, um, <laughs> whose plot? Well, I'm guessing it's going to be Megalos's plot to uh, destroy Tigella. At least they wouldn't have to worry about tidying up the garden because that would be gone. But it was actually te- right. technically Grugger's decision to right. attack Tigella. So, anyway. He's so it's... mad at Tigella just because yeah. he lost three people or something like that. Was that the reason? Like, he just seems so mad all of a sudden. He was so Tigella. All right, chill out, dude. You know, you're a mercenary. Like, you lose people sometimes. No, I think what it is, Meglos wants to destroy Tigella, and he's just kind of giving it the responsibility to the uh, the two idiots. Uh, the, yes. He kind of plants it in their minds. I mean, they've just come from a planet. Name a planet, any planet you like. <laughs> perhaps, the one, perhaps the one in which that pretty girl uh, pulled the wool over your eyes by yeah. selling you some bunkum about the rotation of the planet. She's not time like, yes. now. Anyway. didn't know that. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. okay, so let's presume, there's, there's things, like what I like, I like to do in these is presume the thing that is closest to the climax that prevents the climax for the bad guy doesn't happen. So in other words, the doctor is discovered earlier before he can do anything with the screens and, you know, realign them to destroy Zolfathura. So that doesn't happen. He's thrown in prison and then Meglos is thrown in prison. So they're together there, but Grugger's in control of this thing and does destroy Tigella. And then I guess Romana, and K9 are still free, but does do they basically is Grugger more competent here and capture them, kill them? Um, and does he is he then this amazing cosmic conqueror all of a sudden? And they're like, whoa, yeah. this mercenary dude is fun. Now he's like basically peoples of the universe, please attend carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he does. Yeah. He does look a bit Genghis Khanish, uh, right. which right. true. Uh, the hat from the Graf in Decay. <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. Uh, yeah, that familiar. Yeah, yeah. There, there was for a, for a hot second. There was going to. They were going to make uh, these actors look East Asian. They were. Oh. Uh, they were going mm. to suggest that that's what uh, the Aztecs were. 
Zaztax. Yeah, yeah, my goodness. Thank goodness we didn't have to talk about that. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Well, if they they could have done it top to bottom, you know what I mean? Like if even Grugger and Brodadak were, like it was just sort of like an Asian Mm. gang. Actually, that's not good. Never mind. No, no, no. no. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about this in the Talons of Winter Hang. Anyway, now, uh, so I, I like to, you'd like to take it to the last possible point, Pete. And I always right. like to take it to the most dramatic point, which I think would be that rock going splat on the doctor. Now, mm, that's fair. We, we haven't definitively answered this question of does that, would that kill a Time Lord? You've got to presume so. Yeah, I'd say so. It'd be a yeah. dinner if he survived. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially in Classic Who, where Time Lords are dying left and right in Classic Who. Yeah. yeah. Not Tom. That's, that's right. If only uh, the whoever did the scam, the scheme in the Impossible Astronaut season, uh, had thought to just stick Matt Smith under a large block of granite, killed him that way. There'd be no surviving that Tesselector or not, no surviving. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, okay. So Can't the Doctor's body. dead. <laughs> what so what an end dead. at the hands of Barbara. What an end to Doctor Who. Yeah. Shock. <laughs> So so Romana is uh, traumatized and she goes back to the TARDIS and then um, does she try to then sort of figure out what happened and stop Megalos I, or I does think Megalos so. just win? Because I like to think in this scenario that uh, Lexa does not actually die randomly in some stupid pointless yeah. that JNT insisted on inserting. Well, again, it's because, like, again, like, not to harp on the patty and all the opportunities, but apparently there was no scene. Like, in other words, she just kind of fit, like, the, yep. you just didn't see the character again. They're like, yep. oh, no, we should have some end to the character. Well, just write a better end. Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot so, of a sleep at the switch here. But, yeah, I, I, I got to assume that, like, everyone else in this plot is so lazy and so incompetent, Megalos included, that you've got to figure that sooner or later Romana and K9 and Alexa would get around to it. Uh, and then mm. it's the three of them adventuring in the TARDIS. Ignoring the summons to Gallifrey. Yeah. I'm Not even that. ending up in e-space. Just, uh, oh. you know. Uh, <laughs> I was just yeah. going to say, full circle looks a lot different now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There is no full circle. There's no e-space. Because if you don't go back no to Gallifrey, no Adric. Oh, no. Uh. What a shame. <laughs> well, wait a minute if Megloss this is the thing though if Megloss you're, you're presuming he's incompetent he and uh, Grugger fight it out does Zulfathur get destroyed because this is important because if Zulfathur is not destroyed there is a super weapon waiting for anyone to grab anytime yes. whether it's the master whether it's the Daleks whomever and I think you that planet has to get annihilated and the, with the dodecahedron because otherwise yeah. you know yeah. it's just it's it's a it's a honeypot but apparently all you have to do to outfox anyone who's actually going to use it as a super weapon is to get them to hold up one of the screens. Pretend like it's very heavy. <laughs> get them to hold it up like Tom Baker does with the guard. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that's how you get around it. Yeah, I just I somehow don't see this evil plot being at all competent or thought out. And, uh, you know, in, in the spirit of the script of Megalos, were it to succeed, uh, there, there would be some last minute rescue in a very confusing manner hmm no that's fair all right i think we've had a conclusion of sorts there uh like the uh, unbound series that we just came up with (laughs) that's right 
Yeah, and Lexa, that's where Alexa takes off her hat. She's like, oh, thank goodness. And she shakes her head. Barbara! <laughs> She's, it was all a plan to get the TARDIS. Oh, now you're talking that about was the... Alexa's hat. This is plays into what I was thinking of for the next... Uh... Ooh. <laughs> the next question, which of course Ooh. is... Where is the Clara Splinter? So she's used Megloss's uh, shrinky doodad, and she's actually inside Lex's hat because it's massive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in there the whole time. Yeah. She's she's directing Lex. So she's she's the voice like of Ty. <laughs> <laughs> massive beehive of, uh, of Jacqueline Hills, and she's directing her. And... Wow! Wow! Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. because she doesn't want the doctor to notice it's Barbara. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. she's got to control her, mm-hmm. and the only way to do it is from under the hat. Yeah. I like it. It all makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that maybe she is the voice behind the recording in the temple, where they're just oh, yeah. singing. Yeah, it's like that weird vocoder voice. Yeah. thanks to Ty or something. Again, very Praise very eighties. <laughs> yes. she, got, she might have her finger on the crackly audio sting whenever we see Megalos. So yeah, maybe that's maybe. that's her thing. <laughs> but I thought that it's there's a there's a continuity error where the doctor um, says he never saw the dodecahedron the first time around, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. he says later he did see it. So what I was thinking is that she's a Tigellan who sent essentially the doctor photos of the dodecahedron. Mm-hmm. It, you know, maybe. Maybe it was even part of the message, the call for help. And to be fair, like, oh, we need you to fix. Wigs, you're not going to notice quite so much, are you? That it's her. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. And like, That's you know, right. what it what it does is it causes the doctor kind of misremember. Maybe I did see it the last time I was there, and so he, he's a little confused on whether he he's seen it or not. And so, you know, every it's a, a little more confusion for a confusing episode. It could never ask <laughs> you much. Rule rule number one: the doctor lies about stories that he's read on a postcard and makes them his own. <laughs> Alrighty, folks, it's time to move on to the final question, the ultimate question, the only question that matters for Megalos. What did we think of this episode? The Pulte Open rating system has six ratings. There's the Dalek, which we give to a good episode of Doctor Who. The Ogron, which we give to a not-so-good episode of Doctor Who. The Professor Hater which we give to a not-so-good episode, but hey, at least we learned something. Mm-hmm. At least they tried something. The Viscount Banger, which we reserve for the best of the best. Okay, we're at four now. This is <laughs> point in time, which means it's a episode beyond rating. We can't rate it sometimes for reasons of nostalgia, but occasionally for other reasons. And, of course, the Lady Cassandra, which is Doctor Who, best thought of as wallpaper, something that you want to essentially have on with the sound off maybe as set decoration or something to have in a, at a party and uh we, we should definitely mention as we should in all lala ward episodes that the viscount banger was of course named for her dad yes. so uh for your consideration members of the academy uh here is viscount banger's daughter does this does this deserve a viscount banger what say you gentlemen well, why don't we save Marks for last? He can do a tiebreaker if it needs it. So praise be to tiebreaker. I'll go out and oh yeah, just got that. <laughs> um, just like I just got that your name being a palindrome. That's like I got hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> hey. But 
Okay, so this, like we said lots of times, the story actually looks great. There's really cool visuals. I mean, Ooh. that really definitive, iconic, really, image of Tom Baker with the pricks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that came out Who wrong. doesn't remember that publicity photo? Is, uh, oh, my God. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it be nice with the coach of horses. Yes. You know, you got anyway. Jackie Hill as Lexa. You have... Uh, the the 12-sided die ruling the society. I mean, it's just bonkers, but I want to keep the sound off on Megalos. This is a Lady Cassandra top to bottom. That's what this is. Yes! You gave it a Lady Cassandra. I was hoping someone would, because not only for all the reasons that you mentioned, but also that's what Tom Baker would look like if the boulder had actually flattened him. Uh, yeah. he, turns out that's how Time Lords survive. That's actually what Lady Cassandra is. Uh, there was just a big human sacrifice accident. Uh, but yes, yeah, you know, a big part of me was was going to go for Lady Cassandra myself. That was going to be my second option. I think since you haven't given it, I I must opt for what is truly in my heart when I think of Megalos, which is uh, the wonder of season eighteen. And I, I, I got to give a shout out, by the way, to Tom Baker, which we haven't even mentioned it so far. He's the only person in history to have been in Madame Tussauds twice. Yes. Mm. Uh, be- yep. And it's because of Megalos. It's mm. it's the him and the Megalos version. And the Megalos version, weirdly, they didn't sculpt it with like uh, bits missing under the glove, uh, bits no, of no. Tom Baker's skin <laughs> under the glove. It's strange yeah. that they didn't do that. But it was actually only in the publicity photos that happened, right? Like I remember seeing those at the time. That's weird. Is that a glove? Um, but it's you don't actually see that in the show. So, so good job for them for doing that. But yeah, uh, because of all of that, because this was so early in my fandom, uh, and because appropriately enough, it does have a time loop, even if they really should have called it a time loop but didn't <laughs> it made it sound like a, a made-up ailment for women in the 18th century <laughs> chronic psoriasis <laughs> uh therefore we must burn you as a witch um yeah so anyway that adds the fixed point in timeless it's a fixed point in time Okay, we got one Cassandra, one fixed point in time. Mark, you could tiebreak or you could do your own thing. Well, okay. So you have both very ably pointed out all of the many, many problems with Megalos. However, (laughs) I have an awful lot of fun with this story. Mm. I know you're saying they could lean into the funny a bit more, but... I just have a ton of fun whenever I watch this. It's one of those things that you can sit down and watch it. And we've done this before. I sat down with a whole bunch of friends many, many moons ago before I even started podcasting. And one of my friends put on the chase. And there was like, it's a 50-50 split. Half of us were Doctor Who fans. The other half didn't really watch the program. And it was one of those things you could just sit down, let it wash over you, and just have a ton of fun with it. Mm-hmm. And for me, at yeah. least, this falls into that category. So um, I do feel like I have to kind of redress what is going to be probably... I'm second-guessing here what your listeners are going to be voting when they vote <laughs> on Spotify. But I, I have the impression that Megalos doesn't necessarily have the greatest of reputations among fans. I could be wrong. 
And if you love the story, please get in touch with the guy. <laughs> we'll be delighted to hear from you. But there are whole societies of Megalos fans underground. <laughs> uh, they're just they their garden yeah. overgrew. I'm going to give it a Dalek. Ooh! Oh, wow. Ooh, all right, it's a good Ooh. episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. Wow. There we go. Wow. Okay. I did not see did not see the Dalek coming. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, how many people get a chance to say those words. <laughs> wow. Well, we've Good been stuff. exterminated by that result. It's uh, yeah. Yes, it's a hybrid. Is it our first three-way hybrid, Pete? I'm I'm not even sure oh. if, if if the Codex can handle such a thing. Uh, I think it might be. I'll, uh, I'll I won't do it in real time, but we'll we'll, yeah. we'll figure it yeah, out. Wait. I think this might be the first time we have three different. Ra- no, no. Remember um, the doctor's wife. Ah, yes, yes. That was yes, a triple Dave. hybrid. Yes, yep. Dave. Yeah, we we had a triple hybrid there. It was uh, this one is perhaps more surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, what an ending! Uh, yeah. Well, Pete, while you uh, power up the dodecahedron that's connected to the codex. Uh, I say that we step back into our time machine and uh, enter a, a time loop uh, where we ask the randomizer where we're right. going next. Oh, what before we do that, I want to make sure the Spotify listeners vote now on yes. your rating for Megloss. Mark mentioned it, but I want to make sure just this is a good time to remind everyone you can vote in Spotify your rating if you agree with me, Mark, Chris, or you want to do your own thing. This is the time. Okay, you, you gave me time to have one more random thought about Megalos before we left it, which is that if Tom Baker and Lala Ward's marriage was uh, already on the scrap heap when they were recording this, as as some might suggest, uh, then at least she got to see him pretend to trip over, have to pretend to trip over, <laughs> however many times they shot that, and to, to watch him do it badly and then pretend to do it badly. And there are just so many wonderful layers of revenge to that. Uh, so I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm adding that to the pile of, of marks. Uh, you know, this is fun to watch. It should be a Dalek. So, all right, let's find out what is going to be fun to watch or otherwise next. Uh, Pete, uh, I normally do this explanation of the randomizer. Why don't you give it a try? Well, the pull to open randomizer consists of two parts. There is the pull to open codex, which I have in front of me right now. That is a complete accounting for every single televised adventure of the television show called Doctor Who. And uh, we hook that into something that is not a 12-sided die. Right. It's actually We took it into a Brownian motion generator to give it a really strong cup of tea. And Mm. we plug numbers into random.org, which has true randomness, not like that fly-by-night algorithmic randomness you find on most computers today, but true bespoke randomness based on atmospheric noise, dodecahedrons in the upper atmosphere, and however many cactus spikes have floated up from the Gobi Desert. Uh, We will find out... The result of that, when Pete gives me the number, first of all, of stories that we have remaining, I believe we've hit a five milestone. 205, in fact. Yes! 205. Wow. And this must also bring us close to the 100 stories that we've reviewed, Mark. Uh Oh, yeah. And uh, we've we got to do some special episodes on that. So that's all coming up. But before I hit the generate button, 
Uh, we, we do like to give the randomizer challenges, suggestions, ideas, requests for, for further yeah. viewing. And uh, Mark, as the, as the reigning champion in this area, uh, I, I would have to say, although I, I will say that I feel responsible for, for asking for bubble wrap last week, <laughs> and then we got, we got cactus spikes, which is bubble wrap-ish. Uh, it's not as bubble wrappy as the Ark in Space, but there we go. Or, you know, any of the other bubble wrap hands. Anyway, Mark, uh, wh- where would you like the randomizer to go next? Well, I'm going to throw a complete spanner in the works because you've yes, obviously got it planned out exactly where you want it to go. Um, I would like the randomizer to pick a missing episode. <gasps> oh! Well, that that could dovetail with with my one that I've already revealed because uh, isn't uh, I've already revealed as <laughs> to catch you up, listeners. I request of the randomizer officially. Oh dear, randomizer, take us to another doppelganger episode. Mm. And the first one was was the Reign of Terror. It was. Yes, uh, so, oh. which is missing and entirely yeah, missing. Yeah, is the the, one with the, uh, the massacre. Yeah, yeah, I think you're thinking of the massacre. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, lots of people die in the Reign of Terror as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all kind of a doppelganger for the massacre. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the randomizer take us to both of those stories in order. Um, so, so mine will be. I actually said it earlier in the podcast. Hostile plant life. Let's have it. <laughs> yeah. Let's have the the most triffidish episode. Yeah. That we can't. Yes, I, don't, I don't care if it's seeds. I don't care if it's crinoids. I don't care if it's vervoids, oids of any kind. Octreotic. Gotta love a crinoid. <laughs> love a good void. Uh, yes. All right. All right. Give me a countdown. I'll hit the generate button. There we go. In four, three, two, one. Thirty-six. Oh no! There could be a missing episode. It is not a missing episode. Is the ambassadors? <laughs> wow, that I never knew that had an exclamation mark on it too. Oh, it doesn't, but my goodness, is the point size very high? That was the 1970 version of an exclamation mark. They couldn't bring themselves to do that. I'm just going to say this now: R.I.P. Levelator. <laughs> <laughs> podcast baseball there (laughs) yes if Peter's sounding very very quiet throughout the entire podcast now you know why (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness wow the ambassadors of death Uh, you you just dodged a bullet mark I realize because this is a seven episoder so you you walked out and you only had four (laughs) and it, it also has to be said I'm not the biggest poetry fan Oh, okay. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, because he didn't have a doppelganger, obviously. You were like, forget that guy. That's, that's solely <laughs> my uh, reasoning behind it. Well, ladies and All gentlemen, right. this has been a delight uh, talking about Megloss with uh, you two gentlemen. Uh, Mark, before we go, I want people to know where they can find you and your podcast on the internet. Okay. Well, firstly, thank you both so much for having me on. It's been so much fun. Really You're awesome. so welcome. It really has. It did too. Uh, so we are called All of Time and Space. My friend Ian and I are watching all of Doctor Who in broadcast order. We have some amazing guests that come along. Uh, so the episode that just dropped now has got Toby Haydock looking at uh, the web of fear. 
Um, so yes, we're getting towards the end of the the black and white era, and the end of awesome. the Doctor's era as we go. Um, so yeah, not long before we get into Pertwee. Maybe I'll have, I'll have a reappraisal by the time we get there. <laughs> oh yes, we're Just... on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all those other wonderful places you and if people wanted to find you on Twitter, they would look for... Yeah, our Twitter is Time End Space Pod. And right on. find all of our stuff there. We have a fantastic community of listeners who let us know what they think of the stories that we're reviewing. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, we mess around and do silly quizzes. And uh, yeah, we just have a laugh. And we don't take it too seriously, but we, we have a great time doing it. Nice. Right. You get a bit of a if you have not subscribed to Mark's podcast, please do. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do. This has been yeah, pulled to open. It's a podcast. Go ahead, hit a plus sign, a bell icon, whatever you're watching it on, listening it on. There's something to do. Please do that. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on your app, go ahead and do that as well. We're available on all those fine apps, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Overcast, Google Podcasts, all the places you find fine podcasts. Uh, thank you, Martin West, for our music, as always. And follow us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, threads, pull to open 63 oh, and Facebook, and TikTok and Blue Sky. We are pull to open We will see you next time yeah. for more deaths from the ambassadors. <laughs> we will see you either in 1973 or 1979, depending on your dating controversy <laughs> position. All right. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>